in the morning sermons, what we've been looking at is the idea of the temple, what it is. And sometimes we've been dealing with the physical structure, sometimes not so much. But during the evening services, I want us to take a look at the people that are involved in the temple. Now, there's several different types of people that are involved in the temple, both in constructing it and also just kind of taking care of it and, and upkeep of the, the temple. Now, in this one, what we're going to look at is the idea of priests. Now, um, the way that the Bible even starts talking about priests is it just kind of introduces you to some priests and expects you to understand the job of a priest. But we do get a really good definition, uh, if you will, that shows up in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 5, now this is specifically telling us about a high priest, but it really works for the other priests as well. Hebrews 5, 1, it says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So now this is specifically talking about the high priest, but really for the most part that also includes the other priests as well. Priests are something that, that's uh, very important, especially to the ancient world, you know, in, in us today. I don't know that we think about priests as much, but I hope that perhaps in looking at this lesson, uh, we can understand the importance of priests today. But, you know, really, the job is to take care of what could be called, you know, sacred space, to take care of the temple itself. But really, when we go back to this idea, we find out that that it goes back even before the first high priest, you know, before Aaron, the first high priest. And we start finding out about what God wanted from his people in order to take care of the sacred space, you know, the ability for him to be able to communicate with them. Let's go back almost to the very beginning. Back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This is whenever God takes Adam and Eve and places them into the garden. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, you might just kind of, you know, look at this and, and sort of see, okay, well, they're supposed to take care of the garden of Eden. Okay, that makes sense. And it does. Keep in mind what we looked at last week. The fact that the garden of Eden was kind of like a, a temple, really. It was the place where heaven and earth meet. It's the place where God came and interacted with Adam and Eve, with mankind. And he gave them a task. The task right here is to work it and to take care of it. Now, you might think it's just coincidence. I don't, though, that whenever we start to read about the priest, that they're supposed to work with the temple and they're supposed to take care of the temple, specifically the tabernacle. But let's look at that passage together. In Numbers chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, talking about the, the priesthood and everything, the Lord said to Moses, Bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron, the priest, to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and for the whole community at the tent of meeting by doing the work of the tabernacle. They are to take care of all the furnishings of the tent of meeting, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. Do you notice this language is being used there? about working and taking care of. See, when we go back to what Adam and Eve were told, they were supposed to work and to take care of the garden. Well, right here we see that, that this tribe of Levi is supposed to work and take care of the tabernacle. Like I said before, I don't think it's by accident that the same words that are used for Adam and Eve is also used later about the temple work. That's because there's supposed to be so many images that overlap and really the whole concept behind the tabernacle and behind the temple was to bring us back to that time. 
that time whenever mankind was able to be with God in the garden, to be able to walk and to talk with him and just to see those amazing experiences that they had. That's what the temple is kind of longing for and looking forward to a time and really allows mankind to be able to have that same type of relationship with God today. But now what I also want us to do is to, to look even a little bit more into about priests and the idea that God had from it. Because we see on the one hand that Adam and Eve were kind of supposed to serve as a type of priest. But then we also see that later on, there's a select small group of people. But you know, there's an in-between story. That in-between story, I think at least, it indicates that God wanted something more out of the priests. He wanted something more out of Israel, uh, just in general. Let's look at that passage together. In Exodus chapter 19, now, this passage is one of the passages where Moses meets with God on Mount Sinai, and he receives the law right here. And in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Okay, this is Mount Sinai. Okay, let's, let's look here now. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. You notice the language that God wants to, to use about his people right here. And he, he talks about how important this whole nation of Israel is. Now right here, you know, he doesn't seem to be talking to Aaron specifically. He doesn't seem to be talking about um, the, uh, the specifically, you know, the, the priest, if you will, the, the people of Levi. He's not even talking to that. He's talking seemingly at least, all the people of Israel, all those who are descendants of Jacob. This is what he wants from them. In verse 6, I, I want to read that again, that he says that you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's what Israel was supposed to be. But oftentimes, they didn't live up to that. In fact, more often than not, they didn't live up to that. But this is still what God wanted. He wanted all of his people be like this kingdom of priests. And yes, he, he recognizes, and so should we, that, that the whole earth is God's. The whole earth belongs to him, without a doubt. But he chose the nation of Israel. He wanted them to be this kingdom of priests. He wanted them to be a holy nation. Oftentimes, they, they didn't live up to that. And because of that, then God set up a, a more specific uh, group of people, those would be the priests. They came from the tribe of Levi, and, and any of the high priests had to come uh, from Aaron's descendants. So, you know, we look at, at how kind of exclusive that group was. But God didn't want it to be so narrowed at first. He wanted it to be expanded. In fact, if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve, it kind of seems like he would want this relationship with all of mankind. But because of mankind's uh, problems in the, in the garden in uh, Genesis 3, we see that God wasn't a... a that mankind, rather, wasn't willing to work with God on that. So all mankind couldn't exactly fulfill that role. But then God says, okay, well, how about Israel? Will you fulfill this role? 
and they oftentimes wouldn't. So then he said, okay, let's, let's use a smaller group, and he uses a smaller group, and, and they didn't always do that great, but that's what God kind of set up. He started really big, and he kept narrowing it down, and he got to those groups of people that you know we would consider priests today, but then there's still more to that story. Because when Jesus sets foot on the earth, you know, we, we really need to understand how much Jesus changes everything. Now, we're not going to get much into this, but I, I do want us to be thinking about this. Uh, the way that the, the Hebrew writer and, and other writers even talk about Jesus, they talk about him as our high priest. But he's a high priest of a different type of priesthood. And there is still a priesthood today, but it's very different than what we might think about as we read the pages of the Old Testament. So let's look at the priesthood that we have today, the priesthood that's contained in the New Testament. To this, we're going to turn to the book of 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, now it's very important to understand that Peter is not talking uh, just to Israelites. He's talking to Christians. And in 1 Peter 2 verses 1 through 5, uh, Peter says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, like I said before, Peter is not talking to Israelites. He's not talking to those who would be priests of you know, his day. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians in general. Now, he uses very interesting language, you know, talking about how Jesus is this living stone, and we also are like living stones, and we're being built into this spiritual house. We're being built to this temple, okay? Peter uses these images. He's used to that thinking. That's all he's known growing up as, as a Hebrew. He learned the importance of the temple. So now he sees there's still importance of the temple. There's still importance of the priesthood. But it's no longer just a very exclusive group of people. Now it has been expanded into all Christians. We are called to be this holy priesthood. It's almost the same type of language that we looked at before. What God was wanting for all of Israel. And they said, no, let's, let's not do that. You know, Whenever God appeared on the mountain, they were like, uh, Moses, how about you go up there and we'll stay at a distance. But now through Jesus Christ, he's asking for us as the children of God to be roped back into this, to be brought all into this and to become this holy priesthood. And yes, we are still engaged in offering up these sacrifices. These sacrifices right here all come through Jesus Christ and they're these spiritual sacrifices. But we have been called as Christians to be this holy priesthood. And what does that holiness look like? What does that holy priesthood look like? Well, he's already started it in verse 1, telling us that we can't be just like everybody else in the world. There has to be something different to us. We are called to be holy. We're called to be priests. And he continues on into even more information about this. In verses 6 through 8, now he's going back into other passages in the scriptures and expanding on what they were seeing during their day. These are things that probably for the most part you and I uh, basically already know, but Peter was having to explain these things to his original audience. They, they were piecing these things together and recognizing how great and how different things are going to be now that they are followers of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2 verses 6 through 8, 
For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. So he's going into Old Testament passages and explaining that Jesus Christ, he is this living stone. He is this precious cornerstone, and he is so precious to us. Some people are going to reject him. Some people did reject him. A lot of people did. But he's precious to us. He's so foundational. He is this chief precious cornerstone for all of us. Now verses 9 through 12. Notice the language that Peter is using still. He's still using the same type of language that, that God was wanting from all of Israel. But now Peter is talking to Christians. Verses 9 through 12 of 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were not, uh, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us this language it's not by chance it's, it's not an accident that peter is saying to christians that we are a chosen people we are a, a royal priesthood we are a holy nation we are now this special possession of god now, that doesn't mean that we need to, you know, think of ourselves more highly than what we really should be thinking, okay? Keep, keep these things in perspective. At the same time, we need to recognize God sent his son for us. We are special. He cares a great deal for us. And anyone can be a Christian. It's not an exclusive group uh, like that, you know, like, well, you have to be born in certain circumstances or, or whatever. It's nothing like that. Anyone can be a follower of Christ if you simply choose to. And if you just obey the words of Jesus and follow him, you know, we as Christians, we come from all different types of backgrounds. And as as Peter makes uh, plain here in verse 10, you know, we were not considered a people. You know, we actually came from all different nations and everything. So it's like we weren't really a people group, but now we are the people of God. And it has nothing to do with your nationality. It has nothing to do with, you know, your your race or anything at all like those types of, of differences that people might try to, to point out and, and whether or not those differences are even exist. That's besides all this point. What we are looking at here, it goes beyond all that. Being a chosen one of God, it has to do with us being the people of God. Because God has chosen us for a special purpose. He's chosen us to be this chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Does your life reflect that? Does mine reflect that? That's what we are called to do. And he goes on into even greater detail about how we don't need to, to be a part of all these things that are in the world. We need to live such good lives that even you know pagans, you know people around us, they start to notice. Even though they might not like us, they see the good things and there still is, is something that they've got to recognize we are different because we are this royal priesthood, this holy nation. The final passage for us to, to look at here is, is where Peter continues on just a few more verses. 
And he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the families of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I think that all of these things apply to us today. And we need to live our lives this way so that people can see there is something different about us. We are this chosen people. We've been chosen by God to be priests. Are we ministering before the Lord? Are we helping other people to be able to, to see our God and to be able to come to our God? All of those are purposes of the priesthood. Are we this royal priesthood? That's what God wants us to be. Now the question just remains as to whether or not we will step up and if we will fulfill our role as being this priesthood. Let's make sure that we do that. Let's make sure that we follow God and point other people to him as well. We want you back. We want you back. We want the sheep back in the fold. We want you back. We want you back. We want the coin back in its mold. Lost like a sheep that went astray. Oh